scandal, bodies, deception, lust, horror, drama, prison. Welcome to Plot Twist, where we've got a little bit of everything for you today. Hey everybody. I'm sure a lot of us have been in the situation where unfortunately we've had to entrust the body of our deceased loved one to a funeral home, crematorium, something along those lines. And we place our trust in these people thinking, you know, they're going to do their job. Everything's going to come out the way that we want it to. But we have a couple cases today we're going to talk about where that trust has been misplaced. Our first case is a smoking hot off the presses. It is hot, it is on fire, and it keeps burning. <laughs> it is from the beginning of July. So it, it has happened the very month that we are recording. So we're coming to you first. Langford Funeral Home in Jeffersonville, Indiana, was recently investigated because of complaints of a rotten smell coming from the building. Yikes. When investigators came to the site, there were 31 bodies that dated since March. And it is now July. So, like, that's like five months. I feel like even one month is, is too long. I agree. I feel like um, you shouldn't be waiting that long to get your, your body back. No, absolutely not. Randy Langford, uh, the owner of the funeral home, had been doing the majority of the work himself. He reports that his AC went out and the work started to pile up and I guess the AC being out would make this a lot worse because there's all these bodies just sitting here decomposing in the heat. I assume that's where the smell came from. Yeah, maybe they just hadn't noticed it until then because he was able to keep it cooler. Mm-hmm. Investigators think that this is not a malicious occurrence, but it's too early to tell, and a lot of other people think differently. Um. I don't know maybe malicious not malicious but neglectful yeah i mean 31 bodies in various stages of decomposition that were as old as five months you're neglecting the families who maybe want to have a proper funeral or they're expecting their mom's ashes back um you, know, you just can't let decomposing bodies rot in your funeral home like that's a health hazard no um, it's just neglectful possibly malicious i mean we don't yeah. really know um but that line of neglectful to malicious gets very blurred i think especially mm -hmm. when you know that people are counting on these bodies uh he hasn't been charged of any crime at this point but there is a civil lawsuit in the in the works, and more and more families, more and more of the 31 families have been joining on to the lawsuit. 
I mean, I would imagine 31 bodies. I would expect at least 31 family members to come forward after this case was made public. Absolutely. There's documentation, um, which pretty much identifies the bodies, which is good. Because in the other case we're going to talk about, that's not that's not true. Right. But authorities are being, I think, rightfully cautious of all the information that's being provided from the funeral home. So they are using DNA to identify the bodies. Yeah. And so I believe also right now the bodies are no longer, like the funeral home is shut down. Like yeah. It's closed. They've moved them to, I think, the county coroner's office. Mm. is I believe where the bodies are now. Um, I think in the first article that I read when this first came out in early July, um, they were saying, if you suspect that your loved one had been at the funeral home for a long time or if your loved one was currently there, you were supposed to contact the county coroner um, and they would speak to you on the matter. Because I think what they did, they just transferred all the bodies out. But this is just... A very interesting case you know one of the points that I read about was that there was really possibly only one person running this funeral home and typically I think you did some research that there's usually at least two yeah typically that the average funeral home has three full-time and four part-time employees and they deal with 113 bodies per year I don't know what um, Langford Funeral Homes caseload was, yeah. but I'm assuming it, it seems like it was a pretty average area. So working with one to two versus seven employees is, I'm, I can see how it would be easy for him to get behind on work. I mean, it just is tough for me to think that one funeral director could do all of this because funeral mm-hmm. directors, typically you like you said, we'll maybe have two funeral directors or a funeral director and someone who can do um, embalming um, and prepping the body. Usually one of the two is on call. You know, you would need to switch on and off. You're usually on call like 24-7 because you never know when a death could happen and you might need to remove a body. So it just, it, it would seem neglectful if there was only one person there that could prep these bodies and so originally it it seemed like he had only had one it was just himself but more recent reports very recent reports have him stating that he had one other employee there just one and that they were in a romantic relationship so this is where it gets juicy so first it was stated that he was the only one there so maybe um, maybe that just wasn't the right information or maybe that was the information he wanted people to know because maybe he didn't, because by the way, he's married. He is married. So he may not have wanted to reveal who was working for him. Um, and we're not sure on the position. No. Or the gender. No. We the only know. thing is there's one other employee who he was in a romantic relationship with. So leaves a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of drama like I am compelled to know more did his wife know yeah was his wife suspicious 
And um, imagine and what was the position that this was this like a receptionist? Was this like someone who did drive like a driver? A lot of time places have like part time drivers that work there. Um, was this another like funeral director, like embalmer, someone who worked on the prep work? And is this person really also at fault? And why was it because they were getting a little too lusty in the back cabinet? Right, they didn't have any the time back for work. Cabinet, like they could fit. <laughs> Like, you know, the back room, maybe the embalming table, yeah. get it on. They I just pushed, they had no more room because they were using the embalming table as a bed and they just yeah. pushed the bodies off and mess. left them. I don't know, but it just, there just seems to be a lot of things that are coming out that were not before and that just makes this case really interesting. Yeah, and hopefully, and I think we'll have more um, information as in the coming weeks and months. <laughs> I think last week, uh, Randy Langford appeared before a judge, and he hasn't been charged with anything at this point, but the judge is requiring him to present information and retain information. So a lot of stuff, bank accounts, his software from the funeral home, both his, his wife's, and the funeral home's Facebook information. Um, What else? Oh, his emails, his... I think insurance information, like mm-hmm. everything. I mean, luckily they're really, um, they are really covering their bases, but they want to see everything and they're, they're requiring him to provide and not delete any of that. So I think we're going to find out a lot more yeah. when he presents that and the court is able to go through that. According to this article from the Moultrie Observer, which is a local paper, he asked seven Uh, lawyers to represent him and they all said no so far um larry wilder is the attorney representing some of the families in the civil cases he had some he had a really good quote the idea this man is in that building doing the things he was doing disgracing and disregarding what is just common decency with remains in that building and carrying on like he was in the bachelor and this is in regards to the revelation about his lover that he worked with. Yeah. I think that just makes, I think that's just another piece of the pie that makes you go, oh my God. Oh my God. It just also makes it feel like he wasn't taking this seriously. No. I also find um, it interesting that, you know, the main excuse here was that the AC went out. Mm-hmm. And that is how or why he got behind. Um, these are bodies from five months ago. Right. If your AC goes out, you call someone to come and fix it. Why wasn't it? Like, that's a poor excuse. Like, you're a business and you need to run. You can't wait on these things. You need to call somebody to come in and fix your AC. Was the man, like, trying to do it himself? He's like, wait, I can't do anything until I fix this AC. Yeah. I can't call anybody. I'm going to spend five months working on the air conditioner. Right. And then, you know, if for some reason can't get a fix, can't afford it, you should be contacting families and letting them know that those bodies are being moved to another funeral home. Right. Who can take care of them. Like that. Why was none of that done? I don't I guess I don't understand how the AC plays such a big role in this. Don't they have refrigeration? Do they have refrigeration in places like this for the bodies? I assume that they wouldn't just. From a mortuary cooler. Um, website so they they sell 
coolers for um, funeral homes and, and morgues. Uh, but they're saying that the minimum, minimum temperature needed to slow the decomposition of a dead human is 40 degrees Fahrenheit at minimum. That's the minimum temperature. So that's not something that's going to be provided by air conditioning, right? So I'm guessing he would have had some other form of refrigeration. There are some different... Um, it says, in many states, uh, having a cooler is the law. Check out the list below. So let me scroll down oh, yeah. to um, Indiana to see what their law is. There are no preservation time and minimum requirements. So they might not have had... They, they so, so in comparison, so that's what Indiana says. No preservation time um, and minimum requirements. Let's look at another state. In Louisiana, embalm or refrigerate at 45 degrees minimum after 30 hours. So there's really no rule saying that you need to be embalmed within a certain time or refrigerated. So in that case, there may not have been a refrigeration system. So it sounds like refrigeration is the standard, but it's not law. So there's a very good chance yeah. he didn't have any form of refrigeration. Yeah. So like in Minnesota, it says embalm or refrigerate after 72 hours. So it seems like you a lot of places you can embalm them or refrigerate them. But one of those two things needs to be done, but not in Indiana. So that kind of gives us some clarification. Like it might have just been getting really hot in there, although... It's not that hot in Indiana in March. Right. But, you know, if, if you can't keep things cool, you need to get it fixed, mm -hmm. and you need to be embalming these bodies a lot quicker. Yeah. There this would is... be a sense of urgency. Yeah. That's not a good enough excuse for me. No. Or for anyone, I don't um, think. And just because that the law doesn't require those things doesn't mean that there's not, like, a standard practice that they should probably be following. That's a very good point. You know what point. I mean? Yeah. Just because it's not, because laws sometimes come up that maybe this will be, maybe because of this, this might end up becoming a law for Indiana. But just because it's not a law doesn't mean it's not, they don't have their own like commonplace, this is what we should be doing. Yeah, like industry standards. Industry standards. Um, because that just feels like very, I mean, there should be, I think that there should be, some refrigerator refrigeration system in case you get backed up to be able to put bodies into when you're getting overwhelmed instead of just having them literally lay around yeah or yeah you need to be embalming those quicker you need to be calling other funeral homes to say hey i need help can i send these to you right and you have to have the common decency to turn down clients if you can't keep up yeah. like this isn't this isn't like a florist or you know a jeweler this is not that those are not important jobs yeah. but this is a huge job that you cannot get behind in. Well, you cannot have back order like a florist if they don't have flowers they're not gonna take on a client that's a good point you know i want a dozen roses sure we don't have any you'll have to wait six months they're right. not gonna do that like this is just you can't, yeah, you can't be like, oh, I, my bodies are on back order, so. Yeah. No, he just lets it go. This is, Same. yeah. This makes me angry because there's really no excuse for there's this. There's no there excuse. There should be um, a plan in place for what to do if there's overflow. Right. Period. 
were there any red flags leading up to this? Like, how did nobody know? One of the terrifying things is that there was one family that reported that they had received cremains of their son. And so everything was fine. But then after the bodies were discovered, they were contacted and said that their son was one of the bodies from the preliminary information that they had, like the information that the information that Langford had kept. So So what did they receive? They have no idea. Could it be someone else's remains? Could he have split up the remains? Could he have I don't know, used something else? Like concrete, mm-hmm. other ash, like so we don't know how many families this happened to. That's disgusting. I know. And he would have had to keep up appearances, though. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing that this did happen to a lot of families. There were also a couple other red flags with this case. Um, some people have said they overlooked. Oh, I'm reading that. I don't need to read that. The red flags. Um a man from another funeral home business came to tour when the company was new. And on his tour, he noticed five unrefrigerated bodies on stretchers in one of the rooms. Uh, he was concerned, but he ended up brushing it off. So going back to that industry standard mm-hmm. versus law thing, like clearly there was some concern here from a professional, you know, Obviously, from what he said, it, it's not it's not common to have that many unrefrigerated bodies just lined up in a room. Right. And it's kind of looking back, it's like, why didn't you? It's hard. I think it'd be hard in that situation if you should report him to somebody or yeah. say something because. And I'm curious, did he did did they know he was coming into tour that day or was it random? I think he did know. So then, you know, just the way the quote was written, it seemed like it was was an arranged thing. He came into tour. And so obviously, Randy didn't didn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, he didn't care. He didn't see anything wrong with it. A client who arranged two funeral services for family members with Lankford said the director was very thoughtful, but he noticed a really bad smell both times he visited. He had been trying to contact the funeral home for months to receive his dad's ashes until he heard the news. Um, So, I mean, (laughs) that's so bad. I mean, you shouldn't walk into a funeral home and there shouldn't be a smell. There should not be a smell. No. I can understand how somebody, especially someone who hasn't been around a lot of funeral homes, would think like yeah this is a bad smell this is a funeral home i'm already uncomfortable yeah and brush it off and be like yeah i guess this is part of the experience but after a certain number of people come through i'm i guess i'm just surprised i guess that's probably how it came out though because people were starting to notice the smell i'm just surprised it took so long that's just disgusting so um and imagine Wait, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. Okay, I just thought you were going to move on, so I wanted to say this. Imagine waiting for your dad's ashes and calling and calling and calling and being like, what's going on? And then seeing this man on the news, and that's how you find out 
that your family member is not coming home to you the way you thought. So I just found Randy Lankford's LinkedIn page. Um, There's not a lot on it, but it's enough here for me to be suspicious. Um, He actually graduated college the same year that I did in 2017. Oh. College. um, uh, He went to the Mid-American College of Funeral Service. He was there... At least he has a degree. Well, technically, he he does not update his LinkedIn very much because it says he's been there since March 2017. Does he even graduate? So, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Sorry. I'm just discovering this as I'm talking. So, I scroll down. It says, um, Mid-American College of Funeral Service Associates of Science and Funeral Direct, as a funeral director. His associates was from 2015 to 2017. So he didn't graduate with his funeral director degree till 2017. Okay. Pretty recent. That's yeah, like. so he's not a long time. Not even six years? Five, six years. It's been five years. Only five years. Um, and he, he graduated in 2018 from the same college with just, I think, um, it just says a Bachelor of Funeral Service Management in 2018. Okay. Okay, so this is all very recent. And by the way, he's, like, not young, so. Which is fine. I stand a man going back to school, furthering his education, but um, not if he's going <laughs> to leave people out to rot. Oh. <gasps> Randy Langford's coming. <laughs> Nervous. But on his LinkedIn, he doesn't have, like, the last place where he was working as a director. He does not have that funeral home on here. So He owned it. Which is very interesting that you could that quickly own your own funeral home. Yeah, that's I just want to say me. that's really quick to move to own a funeral home. I mean, that's a lot of money. There's a lot of equipment. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes into that. So he was an intern, a funeral director intern, um, since October 2017. So he had to intern. In the state of Indiana, um, they have to have one year of college plus mortuary school and then one year of apprenticeship. Okay. So he can't even start working on his own until that was done. Right. And it looks like his apprenticeship was at Woodlawn Life Celebration Center. Uh, And here it says October 2017 to present. So that's not accurate, but it gives you an idea of when he might have started his... um, internship there i'm just yeah he he couldn't have even um started on his own until then october of 2018 or so it's now 2022 i wonder if this has a lot to do with him like biting off more than he could chew right at the beginning because it's like you said it's a big undertaking to open up your own business especially a funeral home when you're just starting out I just found this article. Um, It's from November 28th, 2019 by Tara Schmelz. Um, And this is for like a local paper. Um, New funeral home opens in Jeffersonville. And again, this is November 28th, 2019. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read most of this article. So Randy Langford's parents passed away just six months apart. 
Neither had planned or saved up for funeral expenses, and neither had life insurance. Lankford found himself struggling to pay $16,000 for two funerals. Following that experience, Lankford left his work in the ministry and pursued becoming a funeral director in an effort to help other families afford those needed services. He now owns Lankford Funeral Home and Family Center at, uh, in Jeffersonville. Um, a quote from him, We are able to offer a low-cost funeral service and cremation service as well, said Langford, owner and director of the new center. We keep our prices low, knowing that most of the families we encounter do not have any life insurance. He is able to offer discounts by discounting his professional fees for families, Langford said. And discounting his services, the services he provides, as in none. Sounds right. (laughs) Uh, I don't want any other families to be in the situation I was in, so I offer my services at a discounted price, he says. Though he opened in April, so this would have been April 2019 because this article came out in in November 2019. That sounds right. So he opened in April under the previous owner's name of Woodlawn Life Celebration Center, which is where he did his internship. Oh. Um, that's what I thought on his, his LinkedIn. He only recently received his full service licensing. So he recently being probably within the last six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that he can offer everything on site. Last week, the name was officially changed to Langford Funeral Home and Family Center. More than the name change, the interior was updated. A digital casket selection room was added to give more choices to families at various prices Langford also added a children's activity room. Somehow that feels very creepy to me. Um, just based on if the Maybe you know, if he bodies there when you go for a tour. He could have spent more money on the AC and less money on the children's mm. activity so room. So when a visitation or funeral is going on, there is an area available for children to watch cartoons, movies, play with toys, and such to keep them occupied. Langford said he feels he still gets to fulfill his career his first career in ministry by helping people navigate the grieving process. He says, I'm still serving family members during the most difficult times of their lives and helping them walk the journey of grief with them. Thoughts? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? I really got to collect them right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, sounds like he had good intentions, but, um, I don't know, a digital casket room doesn't mean a lot when the family members don't actually make it into the casket. Like, what the fuck? Right. So, yeah, I also have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, so this is very new. Like, I once I looked at his LinkedIn, I knew that he was new to this. It sounds like this was even newer. So 2019, it's 2022 now. April of 2019 to July of 2022. Mm-hmm. That's how many years? Two. Two years, guys. I'm sorry. It's three years. Three years. Okay. <laughs> um, that's not a long time. No. And he was... From being an intern to owning your own funeral home. I... And he didn't have help other than his, you know, side piece. Mm-hmm. And who knows what job they did. I and mean, 
So I, I don't know. I mean, I understand funerals are really expensive. They are a burden on many, many families. But you also have to be able to look at what the costs of running your funeral home are. Maybe he made these costs so low to people that he couldn't pay for things that he needed, which you have to be able to still, you know, it's a business. You still need to make money here. You still need to be able to pay for the equipment. You need to be able to pay for the AC. You know, I'm curious because he said he paid 16000 for two funerals. And to be honest, for two funerals, that's that's pretty not, average. Yeah, that's pretty average. I wouldn't say that's that high. No, it's not. Um, so if in that, I mean, it's still, yes, that is expensive, but how low were his costs? Because maybe he, his intention was good. He wanted a lower cost for people, but in doing so, he realized, oh shit. I don't know why I do that in an accent. Keep the British accent. I like it. Oh shit. I ain't got no money to pay myself. So I went from British to... I don't know what I'm doing anymore. But yeah, so he's probably like, oh shit. I can't stop now. Uh, He doesn't have any money to pay. Maybe he can't... He's owning a business. What? How much did it cost for him to take this funeral home over? What is... What is the monthly cost of this funeral home? Maybe he realizes he can't pay that. Maybe he realizes he can't really pay himself. Maybe he realizes he definitely can't pay for help. And now he's like, I can't even afford AC. Like, yeah, you want to keep costs low, but maybe on one hand just suggest um, cremation because Mm -hmm. that's going to be the cheapest way. Um, I mean, you still have to be able to pay for things. You can't just be like... I'm just wondering if that's what happened. He was so caught up in the ministry and, like, trying to help people mm-hmm. that he didn't look at it as a business and therefore failed. I just feel like sometimes people in ministry don't really take into account everything that goes into whatever their goal might be mm-hmm. or business venture and just goes with, you know, this is what God is calling me to do um where where there's a god where there's a jesus there's a way he'll open the doors and this is the calling that god has for me well god's calling you to jail now (laughs) (laughs) and cost cutting means nothing if you don't provide the service that you were asked to do right i mean i am just curious i would like to know how much he cut his costs it sounds like he had a lot of overhead and costs because he's like, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to mm-hmm. innovate and do all that stuff. Change but then the you- interior mm-hmm. of the funeral home. I mean, these are all really expensive things. And if if you're not charging people, where where is your money coming from? Right. I mean, yeah. And you got to be able to take care of the people just because you're, yeah, like you need AC to be able to give these people a proper experience and not have bodies all over the place and the whole place smelling like death um and I'm gonna be really honest here it doesn't just looking at this from like this is also a business he worked in ministry before this he has like a certification like I wouldn't even call it it's not really I don't think he has a degree in business management it's like a funeral degree like management like how like these are how this is how you should manage your funeral home and it wasn't even like but I feel like I mean this is a big undertaking you need to have some real knowledge of of business and finances and management even if you're just managing yourself 
Um, especially when you don't have <sighs> but one person helping you. Yeah, and he doesn't have a background in that at all. I mean, in, in yes, you can learn those things, but he's only been doing this for three years. You need help. You need help. Um, and in a business like this where you have a huge responsibility, this isn't like, this isn't like a, you know, wing it situation no. here. No. Um, and I'm wondering how much of his own money he put into it because he said he struggled to pay the $16,000 for his family's funeral. And that's yeah. why he changed careers. Well, you have to have money to make money. You have to have money to own a business. And especially considering how much he put into it right out the gate. I'm wondering if he just ran out of money. And since he had no help, he had nobody else. Um, I don't know. But, it, I mean, this is just really interesting information to add to the context of the story. He's very new. He doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, his background before was ministry, um, which is is great. I mean, that is a really great background to have if you're working in, you know, in, in the line of like death. Um, and, you know, religion plays a factor a lot of the times in the way people are buried and just that kind of thing. But I think this man was way over his head and didn't want to admit it to anything. I'm mm -hmm. just going to guess this man is very prideful. Just a little. I, I, gotta, I have a little hint of that because i think most people would reach out to other funeral homes for help or advice or um employees like uh, yeah. you need help so that's just something to add to this and i really do think maybe he didn't have malicious intent but i i mean it surprises me that there's no like criminal charges mm -hmm. against him and that's very surprising because i think that there should be yeah i mean like abuse of a corpse i think they're still gathering evidence at this point mm -hmm. because you know the judge did ask for him to provide information i think once he does that there will most definitely be yeah criminal charges so maybe we'll even give a little update to this because i yeah. think the next hearing for this is august 2nd which is next week um yeah we should definitely do updates because i i want to know so we'll keep we'll keep an eye out for the criminal hopefully and the civil cases that are being yeah. brought against him. Um, and anything else about his secret lover would be good. So we just talked about the most recent case. Um, and now we're going to compare it to a case that you may have already heard of before called the, um, the Tri-State Scandal. It's, I guess that is really what it's called. Um, so this happened in February of 2002. Uh, there were 350 bodies found and recovered in Noble, Georgia, on the property of a crematorium. Now, these bodies were sent to this community to be cremated and returned to families, but something happened and they were never turned to ash. Instead, they were left to rot all over the property. 108 of the 350 bodies are unidentified. 20 years later. Yes. That's 108 bodies just hanging out. It's just so hard for me to even picture what that looks like on a property. Oh, I can't even imagine. You know, 
I mean, it's got to be absolutely littered. I mean, that's insane. Just think, 350 bodies. That's crazy. Um, so the Tri-State Crematorium was a pretty big production. They helped with cremation services for various funeral homes, both local and out of state, like Alabama and Tennessee. Tri-State, you know, get it? Tri-State? <laughs> okay. Uh, it's Discovery was made in 2002, but the business had been cremating bodies since the early 1970s. Originally, the business was founded by Tommy Marsh, who turned the business over to his son in the mid-90s. His son being Ray Marsh. So, there were several complaints that were reported to the community police department. The first came in 2000 from a gas man going to work on the property. He, of course, complained that he saw dead bodies scattered around the property, and the police department pretty much completely ignored this complaint. I'm not sure if they thought that this was a prank, someone was trying to be funny, but regardless of whether you think it's a prank or not, because I could understand maybe I would probably think that this was a prank too, but you still need to investigate. It's a pretty big accusation to ignore. It is. But I guess it was just a phone call. I mean, you don't know how old the person is who's calling you. It could be a kid. I, I would, like, try to, if it was me and I got this call, I'd be like, oh, they got to be kidding, right? But I'd still, like, you know, it, hope being hopeful that this is all a lie, right. you know. But you still got to go check it out whether whether you believe it or not, you know. Um, but, of course, they didn't. Another year later, like a whole year later, Several more several more anonymous complaints came in. The police department allegedly went and checked out the property and stated that they didn't find anything. So tell me how the gas man comes onto the property and is like, there's bodies everywhere. First of all, imagine being that man. Like, I, I would barf. <laughs> I would, I would be scared for my life. I'd assume that someone's going to murder me. Oh, yeah. Be ch- I would just be hearing chainsaws in my head. Right? I'd be like, I, I'd be red flag, like, I'm leaving. Like, I wondered if he actually, like, completed his job. Oh, I wouldn't. Oh, Who I would, would blame yeah. him? No, I would go home. But he didn't really have to, like, go looking. He obviously didn't go looking for the bodies. So right. You, so the police show up and they're like, I didn't see anything. I don't buy it. No. Did they not go out there or what? Because They definitely you, didn't go out there. No, there's no way. They were obvious if the, the gas man sees it. So first complaint was in, in um, 2000. A whole year later, 2001, a couple more anonymous complaints came in. They allegedly checked out the property. Uh, that's some bullshit. Um, a couple months later, a woman walking her dog near the property discovered a human bone. That then led investigators to finally check out the property, uh, but they had no idea what they would find. You know, they had no idea what a horrific state this was going to be in, but they should have had an idea Mm -hmm. that something was really amiss here because they had a lot of complaints. I'm wondering if, um, I don't know, I wonder if she brought the bone in or had a picture or something that made them go, oh, I guess we really have to check it out now. Or maybe somebody better was in charge. I don't know. After five complaints over two years, 
maybe we'll show up. Uh, right. Probably maybe, nothing. The boat is probably nothing. So that's really what led the investigators to go actually start looking at the property. Um, and they found rotting human bodies everywhere, in sheds, in vaults, and inside the crematorium, as well as outside on the property, which is where, you know, none of these people actually went inside. They were seeing them outside. So they're outside the property and inside the property. This police department was very aware of the complaints for years. Um, I believe four plus, like you said, so five complaints had come in regarding the bodies on the property before anyone took any real action towards these leads, which is crazy. So you may think, well, why wasn't there any complaints of not receiving family cremains after a certain amount of time had gone by, especially since there's so many bodies there? You would think people would be concerned. Well, <laughs> it was determined that families did receive ashes, but it may have been ground up cement. So going back to the first story that we were mm-hmm. talking about, the recent one um, that's you know happening right now, I, I'm wondering if that's why they were concerned because they that boy's body was found there, yet they had cremains. What mm-hmm. were they? Were they real cremains that weren't his, or was it like he was getting desperate like this guy and started faking cremains? Right, right. Um, so he was, uh, Ray was fooling all of these families into thinking they had received their loved ones back from the crematorium. And, but there were still lots of people who never did receive ashes back from the crematorium. I would think that that would also be a red flag in and of itself to the police. I mean, I don't know how many people would go to report that to the police. Especially in 2000, maybe in 2000s when the internet Mm -hmm. wasn't as big. I feel like now that would have kind of blown up on like a Facebook page or something. Yeah, someone would be angry about it. Yeah, I think that would have got looked into a lot sooner but i'm sure these people probably thought they were the only ones right or that it was some benign thing or this or, guy was or, just know, maybe they like sent him in the mail and they got lost like mm-hmm. mom got lost in the mail i don't know mom but you're right yeah like if it was today like someone would have an angry facebook page dedicated to this yeah you may also be thinking well what about the other workers ray could not have been the only worker for this operation and this is as far as I could find unknown. So there were no rep- remarks on other employees or complaints from those who worked at the crematorium. Nothing was mentioned really about anybody else. But it seems uh, to me very implausible that he was the only one to be working there. Especially it's such a huge crematorium you know they're it's not just for their state right. they're doing them for three tri-state and janelle you fa- found that uh typically like we talked about before there is one or two operators yeah there's usually i was surprised to find out that there was only some places i think the average was closer to one operator so that that really surprised me yeah. but there are typically other employees you know because it's a big operation to run, so you need janitors, security, mm-hmm. reception, things like that. So it, it wouldn't be the – if he was the only person there, it would sort of be, you know, like the Langford case. You know, that's way too much for one person to do. Yeah. If not, 
then there's I don't know if other people are should be implicated. Yeah, and especially like just because I mean, this crematorium is so big. Like mm-hmm. it works tri state, all the states. Like I don't know. Like it's there's a lot more than just like if you're just working for the local area. You would think there'd be at least two. Like I would not want to work all by myself in a cre- that's first of all, that's like kinda like spooky. Spooky. I want somebody else there with me. Imagine coming into work every day and just seeing bodies everywhere and just walking past it and then just adding to the pile. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Again, like, yeah. Like, would anyone else in their right mind want to work there? Yeah, right. That's true. So, why did this happen? Uh, Ray did state at one point that the crematory operating system was broken. So, again... Something that could easily be fixed, kind of going back to the 2022 case, like mm-hmm. the AC, um, something that could easily be fixed was not. He just said, oh, it's broken. Get it fixed. Um, right. I'll just, I'll just keep hiding, you know, 340-something bodies, just piling them up. I'll deal with them later. Right. Once I get it fixed. Um... So, yeah, this is really, I think, the only thing he really said about the whole entire case. Yeah, it sounds like he was kind of mum about the whole thing. Like, he didn't have a lot to say. Yeah. Which, What could if, you say? <laughs> that's true. Well, I mean, but I just, I have a lot of questions. There's still mm-hmm. just so many things unanswered because he won't talk about it. Right. Especially um, as a family member, I would want to know, like, I would want some kind of ex- explanation, no, no matter how implausible or how stupid it sounds. Right. So that, that doesn't really answer why, but that was the only kind of bit of information he decided to share. Ray was tried and arrested. He spent 12 years in jail and was released in 2016. He took a plea deal but could have served thousands of years due to his dozens of counts of theft by deception, abusing a corpse, giving false statements, and burial service-related fraud. Five years after Ray was arrested, they did some psychological testing and through these tests did discover that he had mercury poisoning. This could explain some of the erratic behavior associated with these discoveries, possibly the amount of bodies that were taking on, that he was taking on was too much. So between 1996 and 2002, 2,000 bodies had been sent to the crematorium. Which really isn't that many. When I was starting to look stuff up, mm-hmm. I was reading about um, over, you know, in the height of the pandemic, there was one funeral home I was reading about that was doing like 1800 in a year. So I don't know the scale of the place. Right. But then once I read that, I was like, you know, 2000 doesn't sound that bad. No. Over, yeah. I know. didn't know that either. Yeah. I'm like, 2000. Well, that sounds like a lot. But then I guess if you divide that up, it's not... That's 333 bodies. So that's le- so that's like one body a day. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't seem that bad. No, because it's just a crematorium. You're not doing a funeral service. You're not... Right. You're, you're not doing... Really, that's all you're doing. Right. So I think that's the difference between a funeral home and a crematorium is like you have one focus there, whereas if it's a funeral home, you have a lot of different things you're doing. So this... That sounds so much worse when you divide it up. I didn't realize, like, I'm like, that doesn't sound bad yeah, at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So what the, what the heck? So possibly the amount of bodies that 
they were taking on was too much. Uh, it's kind of what I thought in the beginning, but now that we've done the math, because obviously I don't like doing that. Uh, Janelle did it for me because she's great. <laughs> I'm realizing that I don't think that that could be, that's not an excuse at all. Um, bodies do give off a toxic gas and without proper ventilation, there are multiple health concerns for those in close proximity that could have severe consequences. And when I was first putting this down on paper, I was thinking there's just so many bodies. But there's not actually. Well, I mean, there are because you're not getting rid of them. But I don't know. So maybe maybe it could still be a factor. Um, Poston, Ray's attorney, believed that mercury in fillings from teeth of many who were cremated may have given off toxins. But many were not cremated. That's true. So that's, that is my question. Because, I mean, yes, that... That so, could lead to murky poisoning, but at the same time, there were so many bodies that were not actually cremated. I guess it could have been in the years leading up, because I guess if he had been doing this with his father prior to him taking over in, what year? The mid-90s. Mm -hmm. He would have been exposed for possibly decades, depending on how long he was doing yeah. it with his father. So if he had been exposed for possibly decades, it could be with poor ventilation could be a problem. There was a study done in 1998, which was close to the time that this whole thing was happening, where they studied hair samples of crematory workers compared to the general population. And 66% of the crematory staff, including administration, crematory operators, everybody, had had mercury levels higher than the group of the general population in the study. However, only 3% of the crematoria staff had levels higher than what was considered tolerable levels, tolerable levels of mercury exposure. Additionally, even the highest exposure in the group was significantly, significantly less than the amount of mercury that Ray Marsh supposedly would have to be exposed to in order to have the effects he reportedly experienced. They wouldn't be having like Mad Hatter syndrome. Right. I feel like his lawyer was, especially just reading a lot of the quotes that he went through, his lawyer seemed to be trying to make a lot of excuses mm -hmm. for him. But then again... Um, well, because it was found that he had mercury poisoning, but now to your point... Yeah. What was the level of it? Right. Right. And, yeah. So I, I, I understand that they did do the testing. So, you know, it may be more conclusive... In his case specifically mm -hmm. but i do have some doubts concerning you know whether that is conclusive enough to say that he did actually have mercury poisoning i'm i'm very surprised he found a lawyer <laughs> me too i mean you gotta think like your lawyer is a little crazy to take you on so uh, 787 charges were brought against Ray. And there was no mention of anybody else being charged in the case. 
He spent 12 years in jail and received his master's and doctorate in theology while locked away. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Yup. That's just... That's who I want to be, my preacher, my pastor, the guy who left 350 bodies to bake in the sun. I don't care. You got your doctorate in theology. I'm not listening to words you have to say. (laughs) That is like, I don't know if he was trying to redeem himself with the Lord Jesus. I mean, maybe, which is great, but, you know, I, Um, the moral compass here is is flopping all over. Yeah. His original attorney, he ended up picking him up from jail upon his release in June 2016. I'm sorry, when I'm done with this case, if I have, if I'm like that desperate to be your lawyer, I am not coming to pick you up. No, but then he goes on to be like, oh, well, let's see if you have mercury poisoning. I'd be like, I'm throwing this away. Yeah, I'm like, I'm Wash doing my, my bare hands. minimum here and I'm done. Yeah, the case um, is over. So he picked him up in June 2016. Um, he said, I think it's time to forgive Ray. It's time to welcome him back to the community. I just want people to leave him alone and give him a chance. That's all nice and good, but I'm not hiring you. No, I think... What, like, what is he, what could he do? No, I'm sorry, but nobody's going to hire somebody who has 787 charges right against. <laughs> I mean, most people don't even, just can't, because their business can't have that liability. So right. even, even for, like, a minor felony. But, like, what are you going to do? Hopefully not operate a crematorium. Most companies do just a, a background check. Right. And even if you don't, and I'm sure it was very, I'm sure everybody in that area knows his name. Right. I'm sure it was, a, I mean, it was a huge scandal. I, you know, we heard about it here decades later. Right. So I would love to know what he's doing now. If anyone knows Ray Marsh, you know, we'd love to interview him. I mean, him. he's probably changed his name. Yeah. So, you know, Ray Marsh, he was charged with 787 counts. Um, I'm going to go over them again because I think all of these could be applied to um, Lankford. Those were theft by deception, abusing a corpse, giving false statements, um, and burial service-related fraud. Oh, absolutely. I, I... I think these are probably a lot of the things that Langford is going to end up because he's gonna get charged. Absolutely. He's, and I'm this is probably what he's gonna be looking at. I mean, he only had a tenth of the body count of Marsh, but mm-hmm. like you said, all of those charges apply to him. Absolutely all of them. I mean, I'm not sure about well, yeah, burial service related fraud. If you're mm-hmm. not giving people their bodies back and you're they're getting ashes that are unknown. So I think that these cases are very, very similar Um, in a lot of ways. Obviously, with Ray's case, it went on for a lot longer, and there were many, many more bodies. But you have to wonder if nothing was investigated with um, Langford's funeral home. How long would that keep going on for, since he's the only one there? Right. And... It seems like the Langford case was investigated a lot more quickly than 
the tri-state crematorium. I mean, it took them two years after the first complaint to just look into the tri-state crematorium. And he's only been open a few years. So he easily could have become a tri-state crematorium size scandal. And I definitely think that, I mean, I everybody in the funeral industry is aware of this case. I feel like because of the tri-state case, people are more on this because of like just how horrific and awful and like the the fact that the police neglected so much Mm -hmm. i think that i don't know like the police are also probably aware of this case and like we got to get on this right um yeah i don't know it's just kind of like i said in the beginning it's very scary how easily it is to betray the trust of grieving families, especially, I mean, especially in your grief, you're not really gonna, going to question a lot of things. You're not going to be thinking clearly or critically. And to just throw some bullshit in an urn and say it's your family's ashes, like, I don't know. Lankford, for sure, has had grief in his life as he buried both of his parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that um, Marsh did as well. Everybody's experienced grief. And to destroy that experience for someone else, like, that's got to eat I mean, that should eat away at you. It doesn't seem like either of them, it really bothered them that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think... Like, what's so scary in both of these cases is the level that they went to beyond, you know, the first body that didn't get, take like, cremated or buried. They didn't reach out for help. They let the bodies accumulate. They lied and provided people with things that they thought were their ashes. You know, they re- withheld information. And instead of it just being, you know, one occurrence, it becomes this whole web of deception I just have to wonder, you know, here's two cases here. I'd just be interested to know if there's any other cases, whether in the U.S. or in other countries, that look kind of similar. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I feel like when you're working in any industry of people, whether that's dead people or living people, sometimes when you're doing your job, you are like a machine and it just doesn't phase you anymore that's so true i mean it should i think when you get to that point you you need to recognize that maybe i need to leave this job Mm -hmm. um but i think a lot of people don't they're just like they just go 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 and i'm just wondering if they have just become so cold and closed off because of the years of doing this like I wonder if they can just almost take that part of their lives and like shove it away somewhere in their brains yeah I mean I know it's traumatic like as an oncology nurse it's traumatic to take every death and tragedy to heart like you can't do that because you can't handle it like mentally you can't handle it Mm -hmm. so there has to be a certain level of detachment, but it seems like there are cases people just take it so far and just totally mm-hmm. morally detach from the situation. Like, 
completely like does not phase. Ugh. And that's a little scary. Well, you guys have fun. You guys excited to be buried, hopefully. Does this give you a lot of trust in the funeral industry? Maybe your urns tested. Like your ashes and your urns, like that's sad you'd even have to think about that, but that's I guess the situation that we're in. Anyway, so you know, hopefully that gives you a lot to think about. Hope you can sleep tonight. Don't be up worrying about everything and anything tonight. Maybe just check your ass. Ashes. Check your ass! <laughs> check your ass! Check your ashes! Okay! Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at official underscore plot twist pod. Music is courtesy of Matthew Modena and our resources are in the show notes.